0: I'm Denzel Mohamed. Welcome to Job Makers. Of all the sectors hardest hit by the pandemic, transportation was one of the worst. McKinsey and Company predicted it would take more than five years for a muted recovery in the transportation sector. So how could a transportation business Survived two years when people didn't really have anywhere to go. For Daniel Perez, immigrant from Colombia, and founder president and CEO of DPV Transportation Worldwide in Everett, Massachusetts, it meant tapping into that entrepreneurial spirit that made him a success in the first place. He pivoted to healthcare and community service, and found a way to use his fleet for good, and for survival. Daniel's agility and acumen served him well, but the place where he wants to have the most impact is in the communities like the one he grew up in, East Boston, long a gateway for immigrants. Not only is his firm minority owned, its staff of 200 is 80% minority, and Daniel is focused on building opportunities for youth of color, including in entrepreneurship, as you learn in this week's Job Makers. Daniel Perez, President and CEO of DPV Transportation Worldwide, immigrant from Colombia. Welcome to the Job Makers Podcast. How are you?
1: Great. Thank you for having me here today.
0: So tell us a little bit about your business and why it's special.
1: Sure. So DPV Transportation is a worldwide chauffeur services specializing in providing ground transportation services for corporations and institutions that are um, that are looking for a consistent and reliable service to go to the airport for client meetings and special events. Uh, we have two main divisions, one, which is our chauffeur services. Again, we uh, it's mainly our black car services where we service this corporation and, and C-level executives with a white glove service experience to go to the airport uh, for, pres- for meetings, um, and other private uh, events. And then we have our shuttle bus division, which pretty much is our, is our largest component of our business that focuses on Fortune 1000 companies as well. And we transport their employees from their headquarters to train stations, train station to headquarters, or within the, the main headquarters as well.
0: And how did you get into this? I don't think you had it in mind that you were going to start a, a car business when you were growing up.
1: Yeah, I always tell all my folks and friends and family and mentees that I started with a pure ignorance, not knowing what I was going to get into. If I was to redo it all over again, I probably will not do it. (laughs) But uh, how I started is it was uh, I was a wild teenager growing up, and my dad um, highly recommended me to get a job where he was working. And it was another transportation company, but they mistreated their employees. The customer experience was horrible. And for some reason, I, I said to myself, hey, let me create something better, something unique uh, with a better experience to the customer and make the most out of it. And I started from my parents' kitchen. I turned off the, the, the phone, the, you know, like the, the home phone, I turned it into an office uh, so when everyone used to call, I used to tell everybody to, to keep it down because most likely it was a client. And I turned the kitchen into a whole office I started you know, working day and night from, from my parents' kitchen. And from there, I was able to scale up the business, uh, working very hard at that point, not working smart. And I moved I transitioned into a small office where I work day and night.
0: Well, speaking of that, this white glove service that you talked about, uh, how were you able to position yourself in the market and how did you grow over the years?
1: That's a great question. Thank you for asking. So what I was able to do is move from a younger entrepreneur, of working hard 24-7 to a more mature entrepreneur, uh, working smarter and hard, but more on the with a with a smart perspective so smart was putting more systems and procedures in place being more strategic instead of tactical and really narrowing down who is who was the ideal persona or client persona that will get us to where we want to go because when you're lost any bus will take you there right so i decided to really narrow down the the scope of where we wanted the business to be in, in three years, in five years. And we just laser focus and massive action.
0: I recall you saying once that you, you got this business savvy from your father, is that correct?
1: He gave me a really good uh, nuggets uh, at the beginning. Um, I love my dad, I love my mom. Uh, my dad is, uh, he grew up with a different business uh, methodology uh, about working really hard. So I, you know, he, he, which served me very well, but nowadays the, the skills that he taught me, uh, you know, where we manage it now about 220 employees doesn't serve me as much as he used to serve me back then. But, uh, definitely I got his entrepreneurship, his spirit and dedication and tenacity to, you know, to not give up and, and pursue the dreams, you know, so I definitely got his, his nuggets out of that.
0: Speaking of your dad, you uh, grew up in Colombia. What was life like back in Colombia when you were growing up? A lot of Americans don't don't know what life was like in South America.
1: Sure, appreciate you asking the question. So i i grew I was in Colombia. I was born in Colombia until I was eleven years old. I'm originally from Medellin, Colombia, and then I moved from Medellin to Boston. Where we move uh, pursuing the American dream from Boston to New York, New York to North Carolina North Carolina to New Hampshire and then New Hampshire back to Boston, so uh, growing you know back to to your original question, growing up in Columbia was fun because I didn't have to worry a bunch about producing income and worrying about bills and um, we were you know we, we were middle middle high class family with all the amenities to live a, a good Bringing as a as a teenage boy, so it was it was fun, but then when we came to the US, like everything changed. It was we went from being a middle class to more of a you know um, sort of a poor family where we were living in a ten by ten room and there was like six of us uh, or seven of us. And the first year or two it was just horrible. You know the change of weather, uh, not speaking the language, different cultures um but it was kind of who who it's kind of what made me it as an individual you know all those adversities that i could bring it into the business uh ecosystem and just embrace adversity because you know if you are once you start learning learning to get comfortable in the uncomfortable that's when we grow the most
0: learning from adversity i love that uh so you said that first couple of years were hard and a lot of Americans don't realize that when immigrants move here, they often take a step down in their careers, in their income, uh, their standard of living. So, guide us through the the way you grew your business. Uh, you went from you know home kitchen landline uh, into something that is huge now. I mean, when I met you in 2017, you had 49 employees, and now you have over 200. That's pretty incredible. Uh, how did you grow the business?
1: I, I will say, you know, there's not, there's not a secret formula. There's not a secret recipe. Um, I just rode on, on a lot of waves of other people, people's waves of as far as wisdom and advice. I'm sort of a sponge. I, I analyze. I, I listen. I observe what other successful people in my industry and in other industries are doing. And I'm always willing to see what is it that I'm not seeing and what is it that I could learn. And lately, throughout the years, my brother was a huge asset to the business. Um, He recently, a a year ago, he pursued his own dream of opening a boutique business consultant, uh, which he also has a PhD in humanities. So he, he went on his own. And we were fortunate to find a COO, which is pretty much my right hand at this point as well, uh, leading the organization forward.
0: Now, you pride yourself on being a minority-owned business, and according to your website, 80% minority employees. Why is that important to you? And why should that be important overall?
1: That is a great question. Thank you for asking. So overall, I am a minority, so I'm proud of creating more minority um, impact in our communities. And I guess the the key element is to be mindful of the ritual effect that minority-owned communities have on our communities, right? The more success success that we get within our communities, the more that it will benefit our children, the, the younger generations, where they're able to get jobs at this sort of uh, communities um, and benefit overall from, from their success. Because otherwise... The, the world gap continues to be massive, right? So we contribute in one way or another to try to minimize the gap, not only financially, but uh, as a support to the communities, right? Whether you're black, Latino, Asian, whatever it might be, where we could actually contribute in, in any aspect that we can to, to our communities.
0: So it's all about community impact, uplifting, your communities, sort of putting money back into the communities, right? Investing.
1: Correct, yes. And, and again, nowadays, I, I, get a, I love business, I love making money, but there's the way that I define being rich is where I'm well-rounded, where I am striving in my family, in my relationships, in my spirituality. But most importantly, contributing to society, especially to other, um, com- you know, other minority populations, too, just like myself.
0: Now, I want to bring it into the present. Needless to say, your business was heavily impacted by the pandemic. Uh, I think you, uh, you said that 95% of your business uh, vanished. Um, how, how did you ride that wave? <laughs>
1: Oh, that's a really good question. So Mike Tyson said it best. Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? And we got punched in the face and, and we didn't get knocked down. We got knocked down, but we stood up. And it was two years of working day and night uh, with a lot of tenacity. Two years ago when I was in the trenches and in, in the storm, it was all about mindset, dedication, commitment and just trust trusting that this was happening for us and once once i i accepted that we were either going to file for bankruptcy or we were going to strive i started operating from a peace of mind and knowing that i'd given my my all my my 100 so
0: you m- mentioned that quote from mike tyson i guess I'm trying to think of some of the things you learned as a result of the pandemic that may prepare you in the future for when next you get punched in
1: the face. Uh, one of them is, you know, we obviously we become who we hang around with most of the time and, and the five people we, who we hang around with or surround ourselves with. And that's that helped me a lot, just positioning myself in the right environments with other savvy and experienced Entrepreneurs that have gone through other economy recessions that uh, provide me with a ton of support emotionally and and intellectually and intellectually to to get me out of those situations. Um, so that was one of them to always keep surrounding myself with the right people. To also, as a leader, to have the right mindset because um, especially as an entrepreneur and as a leader, there's so many emotions that we have to manage when we when we manage either small or. A larger organization, there's too many components and a lot of human errors and emotions to deal with. But the more, the one that you have to, for me personally, is is to control my own emotions and my own state of mind. So, way when these adversities comes, you could actually embrace them, learn from them, and keep moving forward, not idling or this undecided of where to go, right?
0: you mentioned spirituality a little bit but a little while ago i cannot imagine how much pressure was on you in 2020 250 employees under you you know getting furloughed all this pressure uh, so yeah i'm sure that your spirituality is going to help you out a lot in this role uh, you're not just doing transportation though you're in tech so tell us a little bit about dpv mobile lab what are you currently doing and what do you plan to do in the future
1: yes so Pretty much when, we, when, when the pandemic hit, we had about 100 buses sitting in the parking lot. And between my brother and I, we just started brainstorming, what do we do with all this equipment? And what we were able to do is pivot into the medical sector. So what we were able to do is transition our buses into mobile clinics. So about 50% of our buses, we transformed them into mobile clinics. And we were at the beginning, we started doing mobile um, sort of health support, where we were delivering uh, masks um, and you know, and anything to support with the pandemic, right? And we partnered with several hospitals in, in the area to, to support them as well. And then we, pen, we transitioned to deliver the vaccine. So we opened several mobile vaccine clinics in New York in Massachusetts where uh, uh, residents will come into the bus and we will get them vaccinated. And this was, again, through through partnerships with several uh, hospitals in, in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York.
0: And you also have apps that go along with uh, your ride services, right?
1: Correct. Yes. So we have apps that sh- will show the riders exactly where the bus are located, how far is it, um, how many riders are in the bus? Are, are they hitting any traffic? For the most part, we, we deal with large organizations where we're managing their the transportation program. So that's what allows the transparency from the rider to the to the provider to see exactly how their transportation uh, program is being run.
0: How what how has that experience been going into the sort of tech aspect of what you're doing?
1: it's one of our key differentiators it allows us to, to to be more agile and and to keep innovating in, our, in in our industry we're always looking for a way to innovate uh, that's that was one of them and now we're looking to keep expanding into different markets we recently started um we're going into the, in, more into the health sector as well as other training um sectors as well where we training. Uh, the workforce of how to obtain their CDO license. Uh, we're doing that in a couple of uh, states. And then we'll also transition into mobile health. How do we get into um, minority communities to support them with, with mobile health initiatives? Wow, that's great.
0: And you are, I mean, even pre-pandemic... Healthcare and transportation with two of the fastest growing industries. So you are very well positioned to embrace the future. Finally, um, you had your father to look up to as an entrepreneur growing up. Uh, But not everyone has that privilege of having a mentor. What advice would you give young budding entrepreneurs of color?
1: Yes. Well, thank you for asking the question, because honestly, this is a question that we've got to keep asking within our communities. Not only... To, to ask, which I'm a huge believer that the, the better the questions, the better the answers. And this is one of the key questions that our, our younger crowd needs to really keep asking themselves because it's such a great time to strive, uh, being, a, being a minority, being an uh, individual of color, to go out there and, and pursue your dreams when there's so much support for minority owned companies. And sometimes we you you know, sometimes we believe and we create beliefs that this is a disadvantage when it's actually an advantage for for us to be um, companies of being minority owned companies, especially if you're able to partner with corporations that are looking to partner with minority-owned uh companies. And that's one one of one of the big elements that we use. There's a ton of corporations supporting minority-owned companies, and it will be dumb not to pursue those opportunities. And and this is the one of the areas when it has been the easiest to grow, it, especially as a minority-owned company. Capturing
0: those opportunities, right, and just being aware of what opportunities are out there. And I imagine a lot of young people growing up don't aren't aware that there is support now probably not 22 years ago but certainly now um, I imagine there's a lot more support now than when you started the business in 2006 uh, Daniel Perez uh, founder and CEO of DPV Transportation Worldwide thank you for joining us on the Job Makers Podcast
1: thank you for inviting me appreciate it
0: JobMakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center in Malden, Massachusetts, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thank you for joining us for this week's powerful story of immigrant entrepreneurship and ingenuity. Remember, you can subscribe to JobMakers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, leave us a rating and a review. I'm Denzel Mohammed. See you next Thursday at noon for another Job Makers.